things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What the hell is going on in this world? I got a lot of stuff on my mind. There was an NBA draft that took place on Thursday night. There were trades that were going on in the NBA. I get all that. But I mean, this world is getting crazy. Because Stephen A. Smith has got a few things to talk about. As it pertains to the Titanic and people passing away. I mean, is there any limit to what I can avoid getting into? I guess not. That's what makes the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you, as I love to do, at the very least, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for joining me. The subscribers continue to grow for this show. Can't do it without y'all. Thank you so much for the support that you continue to give me. I really, really appreciate it. If you didn't want me here, I wouldn't be here. I got better things to do with my time than talk to a bunch of people that don't want to listen to me. But that has not been the case. Millions upon millions of views, all right? The subscribers are growing every single day by the thousands. Really appreciate the love. Thank you so much. We're here in studio thanks to our official studio uh, sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. You got questions for me, by the way. Put them in the chat, and I'll answer your questions at the end of the show. Not hesitant or fearful of doing that at all. So make sure you understand that. And, of course, click and subscribe. I always encourage you to do that, of course, you know, because that matters a lot. Click on that subscribe button. See that upward arrow right there? And uh, tune in. And I'm here at the very least three times a week. A lot of people wanted me to get into the draft. That's not the number one thing on my mind. That's not the number one thing on my mind when it comes to what transpired over the last 36 hours or so in the world of professional basketball. Uh, believe it or not, it's not even the Boston Celtics acquiring Chris Stapp's Porzingis uh, because I think that automatically elevates the Boston Celtics to be in the title favorites even over the Denver Nuggets. That's right, I said it. I understand Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are those dudes, and I get all of that. But Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, then you add a seven foot three dude who can shoot jump shots and block shots, and Chris Stapps, Porzingis. I'm sorry to join Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White and Tatum and Brown and Horford and Robert Williams, the third. I'm sorry. I look at the Boston Celtics right now, at least on paper at this particular juncture, is the team to beat. But even that is not on my mind right now. What's on my mind right now? Before I get into the draft and before I get in to something Gilbert Arenas had to say about the whole Zion Williamson situation with the former adult film star. I'll touch on that, too. Fucking any of that. Chris Paul. Better known as CP3. Without question, one of the greatest point guards in the history of basketball was traded to the Golden State Warriors. Now, I know there's a lot of people that's going to look at that and they find that to be a bit surprising. You're not alone. I was shocked my damn self. Okay? Let me get that out the way right now. It made no, it didn't make much sense to me. Not from a basketball perspective. From a business perspective, it makes total sense. CP3 is making $30.8 million. He got moved from the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards in the Bradley Beal trade. Obviously, he made sure to get his money. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Chris Paul going to get his money. He's one of the most brilliant brothers you'll ever find. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to maneuver his way into a position where 
it's going to be financially beneficial to him. And by the way, he's earned it. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's ethical. He's good people. He's a great, great basketball player. Um, and he's a pitchman. Those State Farm commercials, I mean, the latest one with him speed walking, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. No question about it. Chris Paul deserves all the love that he gets. The only thing that has escaped his illustrious career is a championship. And I get that, too, and I understand that. And very few people on the planet are rooting for him more than me because I love the guy. And I love his family, brother CJ included. I just don't think this is an ideal fit. Somebody's got to say it. It doesn't work for me. Now, Golden State Warriors fans probably ain't too enamored with that. They're looking at him, and obviously he was moved in favor of Jordan Poole, departed from Golden State, and ended up in the nation's capital. Obviously, he signed a four-year, $140 million extension last summer, scheduled to kick in right now. So we know that he's making more money. He's making his money. Oh, by the way, those four years that you signed him to that kicks in this summer, okay, for Jordan Poole, keep in mind that he's 14 years younger than CP3. Jordan Poole's 24 years old. CP3 just turned 38. So if you are a Golden State Warriors fan and you've seen Jordan Poole do some of the things that he has done and you recognize the potential that he has available at his disposal, knowing that in the nation's capital, considering the wholesale changes that knew that the new man running basketball operations in the nation's capital, Michael Winger, who came over from the Clippers, the wholesale changes that he's making, cleaning house, Bradley Beal is gone, Chris Porzingis is gone, Jordan Poole has arrived. This is a guy that's going to be a number one option for the Wizards. Are they going to win many games? Hell no. Not as presently constructed, but he's going to have an opportunity to be a number one option. He already has a ring from the championship he won last year and go to state. He's going to have a ball in his hands. He doesn't have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to defer to. So because of all of those realities, he's going to benefit statistically. Maybe not in wins, but statistically. Here's what's really going on. There's the business component of it, which I'll get into in just a second. Here's the other part about Jordan Poole that you needed to know. He couldn't coexist with Draymond Green. And ladies and gentlemen, when you get knocked out by somebody, it's pretty hard to get up and work with them every day. He said the wrong thing to Draymond at a wrong moment in Draymond's life while they were practicing. Draymond had other things going on. He caught Draymond on a bad day, shoved Draymond when Draymond got in his face, and Draymond lunged and punched him in the face with that right hand. And the only thing that held Jordan Poole up was that Draymond Green's body fell into him. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Draymond Green came right on this podcast. Back then, called No Mercy with Stephen A. Before I changed the name about three weeks ago. And Draymond Green came on this very podcast. And he talked about the second he hit Jordan Poole, how he instantly knew how wrong he was and how awful this situation, this scenario really was. And the only thing that held up Jordan Poole was the fact that Draymond lunged into him. And his by and caught him as he was falling down. Draymond uh, Jordan Poole was knocked out, and Jordan Poole, you can't recover from that. That can't be your leader. That can't be your teammate. That can't be your friend. You can't get over something like that. You really, really can't. In most situations, you just can't do it. And so. The Golden State Warriors, from a basketball perspective, knowing they are damn sure not about to lose Draymond Green. That's not going to happen. Because that's your reality, they had to turn around and they had to make a decision. By the way, they're like, then the tax threshold at over $400 million. That's the bill that's going to come on the Joe Lakeup's way. And Peter Goober and those boys, that's the bill that's going to come their way. So what do you do? You unload the four years, 140 million. You take back the 60 point or 60, you know, 61.2, 38, 30.8 million each year for CP3. This year is fully guaranteed at 30.8 million. Next year is not guaranteed. So you're looking at CP3. Wait a minute. I chalk three years in all likelihood off of my books because I no longer have to pay the Jordan Poole money. Okay. 
I could sit up there and let go of CP3 or I could trade him because he's going to be a tradable asset. So there's a bunch of people that will want him just to get those numbers off their books if they so chose. As a result, by next summer sometime, when I've got to look to resign Clay Thompson, assuming I want to do that, we're talking about us potentially being about $25 million under the luxury number. These are the kind of things that the Golden State Warriors are looking at. It's a business decision. It's a business decision. Similar to why Mike uh, Washington and Michael Winger got rid of Bradley Beal because he was still owed $207 million over the next four years. So we understand from a business perspective. I just don't know how it's going to work from a basketball perspective. You're undersized. Chris Paul doesn't help in that department. You were number one in pace of play this past season. Chris Paul's Phoenix Suns ranked 22nd. They were bottom third in the league in pace of play. Now, you can make the argument that Chris Paul being in your lineup is going to help you because you got Kaminga and Moody and guys like that in your second unit. And so you're going to have the leadership of CP3, a natural point guard who's going to really, really cut down on those turnovers. Because with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and those boys on the court, with the pace of play being at warped speed, they're going to make mistakes from time to time. They're not risk averse. As skilled and and as tremendous as CP3 is, and as methodical as he is, the reality is that last word is more apropos than anything else. He's a surgeon. He's a floor general. Cut down on the turnovers. Elevate efficiency. But compromise pace of play. Can Steve Kerr coexist with that? Is that something they want from their second unit? Is CP3 going to help Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody be better and be what we expected them to be for the last two years and counting? I don't know about that. I don't know if that's going to help the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if this is what they needed. They think it is. Or at least they're trying to convince us of that. The only thing that's convincing is that they saved themselves some damn money. They're thinking long term. They're thinking the future. They got to make one more run at it with CP3. So who knows what kind of assets they're going to get. I'm sorry, with Steph Curry. They got to make one more run at it. Let's see what they can do. And then after that, they gear towards the future by making sure some money is saved or whatever. You keep Draymond Green, you're going to sign him to a multi-year extension. I'm here to tell y'all he's not going anywhere. Draymond Green is staying in Golden State. Don't we pay any attention to these other teams. You know, Memphis behind closed doors looking to get him in Memphis. It ain't happening. Draymond Green staying in Golden State. Make sure you understand. They ain't going anywhere. Okay? He's going to stay in Golden State. He's going to stay Steph Curry's teammate. Because without him, that makes life excruciatingly more difficult for Steph Curry. Both on and off the basketball court and inside that locker room. Despite all the things that you want to throw out there about Draymond Green. He is a leader. And he is a vocal leader. It was compromised last season. And that's what messed their season up. And he knows that. So he's hell-bent on making amends for it. But Draymond Green is a leader. Period. And Steph Curry needs him. How Draymond and CP3 are going to be in the locker room together. They're both grown men and adults. Professionals will see. The only people I say you feel sorry for with both of them is the referees, the officials, because nobody gets on officials while they're playing more than Draymond Green and CP3. Nobody. Now let me move on to the draft on Thursday night. Barclay Center in Brooklyn, New York. I love the borough of Brooklyn because I love the people. Five boroughs in New York City. I'm from Queens, born in the Bronx. Brooklyn, Queens. Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island. It's the boroughs, baby. The boroughs. But my God, I don't think there's anybody that hates the Barclays Center more than me on the planet. I just want to throw this out there just as an aside. I despise the Barclays Center. Not the people in it. They're great. They're fantastic. But these nine subway lines or whatever, how many subway lines goes towards uh, the Barclays Center. Well, damn it, I ain't getting on public transportation like that. I'm driving. And I got to tell you, the only thing good about driving to the Barclays Center for me is that I know at some point I'm going to be in standstill traffic enough where I can get out 
and get a slice of pizza and hop back in without missing a beat. That's about it. Ain't nothing else good about driving to Barclays Center. It's And then when you get there, there's only one elevator to go in and out of. It's It's ridiculous. I don't know how Katie and Kyrie ever agreed to go there. Having said that, though, the draft took place there last night. When it took place there last night, obviously, Victor Wembignana was drafted number one by the San Antonio Spurs. Worst curse secret on the planet Earth. The kid is 7'5". I stood next to him, ladies and gentlemen. My hairline receded by about three feet because I was looking up. You couldn't even see that I had here standing next to this dude. I had to extend my arms and literally like I was stretching for crying out loud before working out because he was that damn tall. I've never been, I've never stood next to a person that tall in my damn life. If Yao Ming was taller than that, I didn't notice. Sean Bradley was taller than that, I didn't notice. This is the tallest dude I've ever stood next to. Really, unbelievable. And when you consider how tall he was and you imagine his ball handling skills, his shooting ability, his talents, the only thing you could say is, boy, is he real thin. And they are going to get physical with him, and we're going to see what happens. Greg Popovich and those boys in San Antonio are going to have to figure out a way to protect him, get some meat and potato brothers around him, make sure you put some meat and potatoes on him. If he doesn't want to gain weight, make sure he changes his mind because you ain't going to last long in the NBA being that damn thin unless you Kevin Durant-esque, which some people say he is. I have to see that to believe that. But I like the kid. Great kid. Great family. Met his parents last night, his siblings as well. Great family. And it's great that he's going to be here in the NBA. That wasn't the most interesting thing that happened last night to me. That second and third pick matters. Because when I try, what I tried to explain to folks is this. If you, Michael Jordan, making the very, very last pick before you can surrender basketball operations to somebody else. Remember, he sold a vast majority of his stake in the Charlotte Hornets franchise. I think they completed the sale just last week. But he was going to make the final call on this particular draft as his last move. And he drafted the right dude. The person to draft was Brandon Miller. It was between him and Scoot Henderson out of G League Ignite. And let me tell you something right now. Scoot Henderson can ball. He's something spectacular. Got to work on his long-range shot, but that brother's got a mid-range game. He's a tremendous athlete. He can finish at the basket. He's a killer. He's no joke. No doubt about it. And I believe, arguably, the perfect replacement to Damian Lillard, assuming he can make that three, which I believe he make. Met his sisters, by the way. Anytime, this is a little clue for y'all from evaluating standpoints. When you are a young man and you got sisters that are in your face all the time, you usually end up very well because you can take whatever society throws at you because there's nothing compared to what their sisters throw at you because your sisters will just, just beat you alive mentally and emotionally. They will check you in a heartbeat. Every little minute thing that's wrong with you, they will let you know. They will let you know. Okay? I wish I could tell y'all some of the stories that my sisters told me. Hell, I'll do it. You know, my sister Linda, my older sister Linda, I remember years ago, kid wet behind the ears, breath smelling like Similac. You fantasize about what you would or what you wouldn't want to do if you have a significant other lady and you're involved with a whole but I mean, I'd never do this. And I'll never do that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, not me. I would never do that. I even thought kissing was nasty. My sister Linda pulled me to the side when I was 17 years old. And she looked at me. She went like this. Come here. Sit down. And that's exactly how she talks. Very, very mellow. And my sister Linda looked at me and she said, all I'm going to tell you is just to remember one thing. For everything you won't do, there's someone else who will. And he is the one that would be remembered instead of you. And I never forgot it. Never forgot it. Always remembered it. You understand? Always remembered it. For everyone who wants, there's someone who will. But I digress. My point is, when you have sisters, 
they help you, they buffer you, they uplift you because they teach you through osmosis to accept and embrace challenges you otherwise wouldn't be willing to accept. So I like Scoot Henderson. I like him a lot. Here's why he wasn't the right pick for Charlotte. Number one, Brandon Miller is that brother. From Alabama, and I know the story about him bringing the gun to the scene that ultimately his teammate grabbed and gave to somebody else who killed somebody and both of them were arrested on capital murder charges. I know all of that. And Brandon Miller took a lot of heat. I remember he was taking heat and he went to the University of South Carolina and you had people chanting at him as if he was running for president and he was Hillary Rodham Clinton. Lock him up. Lock him up. That's what they were saying. That's what they were chanting. You know what this brother did on national television, on the road at South Carolina? He dropped 41 and was literally telling the crowd, bring it. When you got that kind of intestinal fortitude under that face of adversity, that's what NBA scouts and evaluators look for. That's what people in all professional sports look forward to. They want that because they expect adversity. They expect adversity. That's why it was a storyline when somebody like Naomi Osaka was crying because of a ridicule she might have been getting from the fans or questions she might have been getting from the media. Not to sit up there and knock her for it because I'm not. Because everybody's got their own issues. That's why people looked at Ben Simmons and they said, this is just damn pathetic. You treating playing basketball like somebody's asking you to walk on the front lines in Ukraine. What are you doing? Brandon Miller, people look for adversity. When we call Muhammad Ali the greatest, Muhammad Ali had losses in his career. But when you face that level of adversity, that's the kind of thing that makes you say, yo, this made this dude is made of a different cloth because it doesn't matter what you throw in this direction. He's coming. And that's what you're looking at. And that's what you're talking about here. Brandon Miller did that. Brandon Miller did that. Here's the other thing. Scoot Henderson is 6'2". Brandon Miller is 6'9". That matters. This brother is a combo. He can play the... I want to hear no thing about a small forward. He can play the two-guard or the small forward spot. He can take you off the dribble. He can be electric in the open court. He can pull up from three. He was a point guard in high school. That's the dude you got to draft. And last but not least, if you had drafted Scoot Henderson instead of Brandon Miller, you would have essentially been telling the world, LaMelo Ball's about to leave. And we know Charlotte don't want LaMelo Ball to leave. You want him to stay. So you got to make sure you put the right talent around him where he could do some things. And with Miles Bridges coming back, after his domestic situation with his ex that got him, that left him off the roster last year. The reality is that with Bridges, with Brandon Miller, and with LaMelo Ball, there's a nucleus in place for the Charlotte Hornets to be relatively decent, if not better. Time will tell. We shall see. But you can't underestimate that. They made the right pick. As it pertains to Scoot Henderson, here's what it meant to me. I think Damian Lillard's days in Portland are numbered. Not because of Portland. They ain't going to let him go. They don't want to let him go. I'm talking about Dillard walking into their office and saying it's time to move on. He doesn't want to. He loves Portland. Loves it to death. City loves him. They deify him for crying out loud. And he loves them back. But damn it, Damian Lillard is too great to be in, in Portland languishing in mediocrity. It's just the truth. At some point in time, your greatness demands that you do everything you can to get on center stage. As my man Kendrick Perkins pointed out earlier today on national television, KG, in during his Hall of Fame speech, after all of those years in Minnesota, when he finally got to Boston, as much as he loved Minnesota, he said the only regret in his career was that he waited so long to get to Boston. That's how Damian Lillard's got to be. Now, if it's Miami, it's Miami. If it's Philly, it's Philly. I'd personally prefer to see him in Philly, although I can't imagine Philly letting him go 
and not getting Tyrese Maxey in return. And if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm not letting go of Tyrese Maxey because guess what? Tyrese Maxey ain't 32 years old. That's Damian Lillard. I'm keeping that, brother. But to have Damian Lillard with somebody like a Tyrese Maxey and a Joel Embiid as your teammate, my God. My God. They could possibly win it. Suddenly, we got to have a discussion as to whether or not Boston would be the favorites over Philly. Because there is no answer for Joel Embiid if he's healthy. And Damian Lillard to close. Because as much as we respect Harden, and we know Harden can play, and he led the league in assists this year. The fact of the matter is, Harden ain't that dude anymore. He's an all-star caliber player, but he ain't the dude that he used to be. That's why Houston doesn't want him. That's why Philadelphia's ownership doesn't want to give him the match, although his man Daryl Morey wants to. It would be nice. But with Scoot Henderson being a 6'2 guard, needing the ball in his hands, drafted by the Portland Trailblazers, third overall, him with Damian Lillard doesn't work. We've seen Damian Lillard with a sharpshooter and a great guard in C.J. McCollum, who, by the way, is bigger than the both of them. How did that work out? Yes. You went to a conference finals once. Yes, you went to the playoffs numerous times. But you really didn't make any noise. So you're not going to with Scoot Henderson, regardless of how great he is. It's time for Portland to retool. Use Damian Lillard to get additional assets. And for Damian Lillard to be on center stage where he belongs. You got the money. You got the endorsement deals. Only Shaq and Snoop Dogg got more endorsement deals than you. All you need to do now is put yourself in a position of title contention. Because we ain't seen that in his career. I wanted to transition before I go to break. About this whole Zion Williamson thing. And you know the story, you know. Former adult film star, apparently, allegedly, had some kind of relationship with him. And she's walking around sounding scorned. Mariah Mills is her name. Sounding scorned because he ended up with somebody else and you know, all of this other stuff. None of our business, really. She's made it our business because she's publicized everything. Here's the deal. <clears throat> There are people that have been commenting, not about that specific per se, but essentially asking the question as to why players date women of that ilk, as opposed to women out there that are career women, women that, you know, are doing other professional things as opposed to being an adult film star or a stripper and all of this other stuff. We don't have to get salacious with it. But you know what I'm saying. Um, I was under the impression that I knew the answer to this question. And the answer was to me was that men are visual creatures. We don't give a damn what form you're in. We covet what we see. And if we like what we see enough, don't abandon me, fellas. Guys turning their head being scared. Don't, don't desert me now. It's the truth. Men are visual creatures. We covet what we see. And unfortunately, on far too many occasions, the thinking part of it all comes in later, not earlier. But then a former NBA star, who, by the way, has his own podcast, who, by the way, knows a lot about basketball on and off the court, whose name happens to be Gilbert Arenas, who was on a podcast, my man Patrick Beverly's podcast, talking about this subject, took a moment to explain why players actually date, quote unquote, according to them, worst women. Listen to this. Think about the, the, other, the other sex that's free between noon and damn... Seven o'clock. Strippers. Mm. Girls, Instagram models ain't got shit to do in life. Right? All the sophisticated women at work. <laughs> they at work. Now, me, I don't think that way. I want to state for the record. I've had witnesses in here. I don't think that way. As far as I'm concerned, who am I to judge? There are people out there you wouldn't prefer that they go that route, but some people, some people have their own proclivities and they want to do what they want to do. Others are trying to earn an honest living and an honest paycheck and damn it. That's what they choose to do because it's profitable. 
and it's about the dollars and cents. But the ladies in here, Ashley, Sumatra, Sherry, Laura, people like these are people in my inner circle. Now they're part of this team. They're part of my staff. They say, not me, not me, not the fellas. None of us are guilty of this. We didn't say that. None of us, never that, never that, never, none of us. Just the ladies. They said, not me. They said, Gilbert Arenas has a point. Because a true professional working woman is busy working. They ain't got time to be an Instagram model. They ain't got time to be involved in adult films. They ain't got time for all of that because they're working. I don't know the answer to this question, so I'll pose it to y'all. Do you agree with Gilbert Arenas? Or don't you? I don't know. But the ladies told me I needed to care to present that question to y'all. So who am I to disappoint? Stephen A. Smith's show ain't going nowhere. I'm still here. Be back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Um, before I move on from this particular subject, during the commercial break, it was brought to my attention that this lady, Miss Mariah Mills, her Instagram account, this is Mariah Mills. She just tattooed Zion's name on her face. So I'm not going to talk about this anymore other than to say this one last thing. One or two things are going on here. Either she is starving for attention. Starving for attention. And willing to do whatever she can to get it. Okay, even if it's at his expense. Well, she had a pretty damn good time with him. And can't get over it. Y'all decide. I'm going to leave it at that. Let me move on. More serious story. To be quite honest with you, before I get into it, let me make sure to tell y'all Please like the video and follow Stephen A. Smith channel for all updates. Click the notification bell to find out all about my new content. And that's how you do it. Thank you so much for doing what you've been doing because obviously subscribers continue to grow and I really, really appreciate it. We all know what the story over the last 36 hours has been, if not longer. The story involving the Ocean Gate Titanic submarine tragedy. The submersible allegedly imploded the submarine. I don't want to put the video up there, but if you went online and you went on the video and you're trying to wonder how that looks based on the device that they were in, the mechanation, the machinery that they were in, the five people who passed away, and I don't have their names in front of me, but um, certainly my condolences go out to all of them and the, the loved ones of all of these people who tragically, because it is a tragedy, who tragically lost their lives. Um, and it became official yesterday. Um, put that video back up, Jay, showing the length and the size of this device. Length is 22 feet, capacity five people for a grand total of 96 hours. For those of you who don't know, that would be four days. The depths it was uh, believed to be able to go to was 13,123 feet. Um, it imploded. 
OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush wore a hard hat and stood next to one of his submersible crafts last year, full of enthusiasm, and he told a bunch of students about the thrills and perils of being a deep sea explorer. He said, quote, the key element in any expedition is you got to be thinking what could go wrong. What can I do to mitigate that risk? This is what he told students via a live web stream prior to one of his voyages. Despite such planning, he conceded, something always bites you that you did not expect. That is what he said last year, talking to students. He was the CEO of OceanGate and the pilot of the ill-fated Titan submersible that imploded this week, diving to the Titanic wreckage. Understood the dangers of his endeavor, and his comments to the students seemed tragically prophetic. A U.S. Coast Guard official said Thursday authorities had begun to map the debris of his vessel about 1,600 feet from the Titanic wreck. However, since the catastrophe occurred in international waters, authorities are discussing how an investigation would unfold, the official said, but experts agree that any inquiry is sure to question the design of the craft, the materials used to build it, and whether Rush and his company should have done more to avert such a deadly outcome. Reading from a story on CNN. I don't think I need to say any more about the details in regards to that. Personally speaking, I don't even know what the investigation is for. They found debris on the ocean floor near the Titanic. Um, 400 miles east of Nantucket is where they found it. Um, they said the submersible had descended nearly two and a half miles toward the ocean floor. He said the pressure's enormous down there. That's what they said. Where the Titanic rests, and we all know what the Titanic is. We don't need to call the movie or the song to know what the Titanic is. 12,500 feet. The pressure is nearly 380 times greater than on the surface where we are now. This is according to a professor, uh, Luke Will, professor and chairman of physics at Florida Atlantic University. Um, they went on to say, at 12,500 feet, the pressure is more than 4,400 pounds per square inch. That's what they said. How large was the initial search area? They said it was twice the size of Connecticut, about 12,000 square miles, Coast Guard officials said, and it extended as much as 2.5 miles deep. I think I speak for everybody, or at least 99% of the population. My heart goes out to all the people who passed away and their loved ones. It's a tragedy. But certain things in life, dare I say, are unnecessary. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I love the movie Aquaman with Jason Momoa. I love it. Some people liked it better than others. I personally loved it. Every time I see movies like that, it reminds me of how badly I wish I could. Sometimes, you know, you're growing up and you want to be a superhero. I wish I was Superman because I could fly. I don't consider Batman a Superman. I just consider him a human being with a nice costume on. I certainly felt the same about Robin. But Thor with the hammer that can go into other galaxies. I mean, that, 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 that's a superhero. Uh, you know, you know, the Hulk, because of his strength, his power, his size, and the fact that bullets didn't hurt him. You know, I mean, you can see that. Superman, he was bulletproof. Bullets bounced right off of him. Lex Luthor couldn't hurt him. Okay, get all that, right? But I got to tell you, when I watched Jason Momoa and Aquaman, it had me wishing I was Aquaman. Because the depths of the sea and stuff like that, the stuff that you see, I mean, you just know that, you know, you wish you could do stuff like that, but you really, really can't. See, I'm not one. I'm not the most adventurous brother in the world. I'm not trying to skydive. It's hard enough for me to get on a plane. I ain't trying to skydive. I'm not a fish. I'm not a mammal. I, I, I can't breathe underwater like that. I'm not trying to go. Deep sea diving. I'm still mad at Shaq when he did that damn thing with the experiment with the sharks. I mean, what the hell's wrong with you? You got kids. You got family. That ain't meant for you to be down there. Your scuba diving equipment and all of that stuff notwithstanding. It ain't meant for it. I understand we got to research everything. Got to know everything. 
science is science. Is that what these folks were doing? Because I'm not aware. And by the way, when are we going to get over the Titanic? All right, it's the ship that sunk. Leonardo DiCaprio, we appreciate you, okay? We got it. You did a great, great job acting in the movie. I understand. I really do. I really do. But what's this fascination with the Titanic? It's a ship that sank. How many lives were lost? Was it a thousand? Huh? About 2,000? Damn, I thought it was a thousand. I mean, what, 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 what's up with us? What's up with us? And one of the guys, his son, 19 years of age, died. Didn't even want to go. Just went because he wanted to spend Father's Day with his daddy, and his daddy wanted to do that. You just want 1,500 died in the Titanic. I just got the number accurately. 1,500 people. You just, there are just certain things that it just does leave me. I'm not laughing. I'm not joking. I'm not making light of people who passed away. God rest their wonderful souls. But forgive me for thinking about the expression that curiosity does kill a cat. Why are you that damn curious? I mean, you want to put on something, you want to put on something and, 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 and go into the ocean, in the islands or whatever, and, 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 and dive 10 feet deep. You understand? So you can swim with the fish or whatever. I guess that's reasonable. What in God's name would make you think it's okay to get in a submersible? All right. How many feet was that, Jay? No, no, no. I'm talking about the size of it. There are five people fitting in there. Five people. Five people. Last time, I, I, I didn't even, I don't think they had a toilet. So what? You, 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 why? Why? I'm just looking at certain things and you can't turn the channel everywhere you turn. They got it on. I mean, it interrupted the soap operas. It interrupted other shows. What is there to say? Investigate what? Who does not know that a human being does not need to be two miles below sea level in the ocean, in those dark, cold waters? Who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that? 22 feet, five people, 22 feet. Five people in a submarine with the capacity to be there for 96 hours. I know he was a deep sea explorer. I'm talking about Mr. Rush, along with others, Stockton Rush and others there. I understand it was a fascination of his. It was a passion of his. And I guess I can't summarily dismiss the importance of science and anything we can grasp from that. But even as the search was going on, it's some device that noticed debris on the ocean floor that enabled the Coast Guard to be able to make the decision that without question they didn't survive. We can go into how long they knew and all this stuff. People complaining about how it took them so long to come to that conclusion. They knew for days that this had happened. I'm not getting into all of that. What I'm getting into is one thing and one thing only. Why? Why? What was there to find out from the Titanic that we haven't already heard over the years? Why was it that important? One of the things to me that harms us as a society is our endless curiosity about everything. So many people are just so too damn inquisitive. Certain things I don't care to know. I don't desire to know how it feels to be a bird. 
I don't desire to know how it feels to be a whale or a dolphin or a shark. I'm a man. I'm a human being. I don't have that level of curiosity like that. I just don't. I'm good with anything on land. I'm nervous with anything in the air or in the sea. Because I ain't a bird and I ain't a fish or a shark or or a whale or somebody. That's just me. Human beings don't belong 12,500 feet or more below sea level. I think everybody knows that. And when something like this happens, it's just a reminder of nature saying to us, you don't belong here. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's just me. One more thing that I want to bring up before we go to break is uh, Elon Musk, who purchased Twitter for $44 billion. And Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the boss of Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram. They're talking about getting it on. We don't know whether they're joking or not or not, but purportedly both have agreed to a cage match. Because obviously Mark Zuckerberg's got Facebook looking into creating some kind of thing that will enable them to compete with Twitter. And Elon Musk and him are talking about getting into a cage match. And they got their battles and all of this other stuff. And everybody's reacting to it. It's trending and all of this other stuff. I got it. I got it. Crazy as it sounds, I think a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing that. You saw what Elon Musk said right there, right? I'm up for a cage match Cage match if he is, laugh out loud. You saw what Mark Zuckerberg said, send me the location. That's him right there. That's his Twitter. Elon Musk says, I have this great move that I call the walrus, where I just lie on top of my opponent and do absolutely nothing. My God. That's what he said. No wonder people like Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell from the podcast Morning Combat, react the way Luke Thomas reacted this morning. Listen to this. You're telling me you don't think there's even a 5% chance that this would happen? No, I don't think there's even a 0.5% chance of this happening. It's all bullshit. Why? Uh, Musk is famous, including through, most specifically through his boring company, where he's trying to build tunnels, famously over-promising and consistently under-delivering on purpose. This is what he does all the fucking time, number one. Number two, he's 52 and a fat, out-of-shape slob. What the fuck are people talking about? The guy can barely touch his toes. You think okay, he's going to get into a Okay, there'd be a training camp, you think, yeah, No, there's not. There's not. He's not. He doesn't have time for it. He's not going to do that. It's all nonsense. It's all bullshit. And this whole thing about Mark Zuckerberg winning BJJ tournaments. Guys, please. The people who talk about winning BJJ tournaments are the least impressive people on the face of the fucking planet, except for the guys who win Black Belt World titles, because no one else actually does it. Going to these fucking tournaments and fighting your neighbors with a gi on is the is one tiny step above participation trophy. You're fighting people who are borderline infirm. Get the fuck okay, out of here. Okay, but with they're not all I'm of not this. Dude, them to it's fight. it's two they guys. It's two guys who are using dickheads like us for extra media attention. No okay. more, no less. Not gonna happen. Not possible. Damn, Luke Thomas, why don't you tell us how you really feel, bro? Why don't you tell us how you really feel? In all seriousness, I like Luke Thomas. I, I like his candor. I appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to listen to the uh, Morning Combat more and more. I mean, I like him. I really, really do. Um, but I'm going to respectfully disagree with Mr. Thomas here. For this reason, we've had plenty of, 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 of people do stupid things. Very, very stupid things. Things that you would have never imagined they would have done. And it kind of worked out for them. Now, there are some examples where it hasn't, and I'll get to that in a second. But when you look at Mark Zuckerberg, 
supportedly, uh, uh, reportedly studying Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, you know, obviously Elon Musk ain't thinking about such things. But, again, he's got to move the walrus. So he's talking about laying on you and doing absolutely nothing. Kind of crazy. But Elon Musk ain't the most orthodox dude in the world. I mean, CEO of, of Tesla? SpaceX and what, you know, and how much of a visionary he was with that. By the way, think about how he's helped Ukraine in the war against Russia. And what kind of Wi-Fi service, if I remember correctly, he provided to them last year sometime. Elon Musk, it's hard to look at him and say he wouldn't do something. Because he's all about doing exactly what you think he wouldn't do or what you tell him he can't do. He seems to be about that, about that life. We don't know what the hell Zuckerberg's about. But I will say this to you, Mr. Thomas. If they were to fight, people would watch. If for no other reason than this disdain for who they are and the positions they're in, because there are people in this world that resent them. Not you, not me, but there are people in the world that resent them and would love to see at least one of them get their ass kicked. And I definitely think that people would definitely see that. I never thought people would watch Jake Paul, but I've seen him fill arenas. And speaking of stupid things to do, we do remember how foolish it was for former NBA player Nate Robinson to decide to jump into the boxing ring against Jake Paul, evidently not recognizing that Jake Paul was being trained by professional trainers and Nate Robinson was playing basketball. And we saw what happened. Look at him right there talking to himself. Look at him. He don't look like somebody that wants to fight. Look at this. This is not good. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I remember the sound from that fight. And it was Snoop Dogg saying, oh, Lord. And I remember asking Snoop Dogg. You went from that and in almost another split second, you got very quiet. Why was that? And Snoop Dogg said to me, Stephen A., I was there. They took the camera off Nate because he was that hurt. He was really put to sleep. He said it was so bad that Jake Paul wouldn't even celebrate because Jake Paul was that worried about what he did to him. And then after that, they tried to sit Nate Robinson up. He couldn't even sit on his stool. And he had to be carried out of the ring. He was incapable of standing up. He was incapable of walking. And they were afraid permanent damage had been done to him. And they were so worried about him. He had to be carried out of the arena. I know a few people who have seen Nate Robinson since. But there ain't many. We ain't been able to find his brother in quite a while. I only bring that up to say. There are relatively smart, accomplished people who do very stupid things. There's no way around that. It happens all the time. Why can't it be with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg? Close out the show with something regarding my man Prime Time. In a minute, you're listening to Stephen A. Smith Show. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Before I get on out of here today, I want to give some love to my man, Primetime Deion Sanders, the new coach at the University of Colorado. 
left Jackson State and HBCU to go and take this job. Was making four hundred thousand a year at Jackson State University, making six million now. First year at at with the Buffaloes of Colorado, heralding a one and eleven team, sold out spring game. Um, it was nationally televised by ESPN. Drew more of a crowd than the reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs did actually. Well, on another note, Deion Sanders is set to undergo emergency surgery today. Might be having the surgery as we speak. Um, he denied reports that his foot is going to be amputated, but the emergency surgery today is for blood clots in both legs. He won't need his left foot amputated as previously thought. Sanders explained in the video on YouTube that his doctor found a blood clot in both legs, including one in his left thigh. He struggled with the left foot since having two toes amputated in 2021 due to previous blood clot issues while coaching at Jackson State. That's there. He's there with his girl, uh, Tracy Edmonds. Um, Tracy, wherever you are, I hope you're watching. I love you. I've known Tracy for years. I used to work with Tracy on a project that I was doing for Showtime years ago. Uh, she's a friend, one of the most wonderful, wonderful, and beautiful human beings you'll ever meet in your life. I'm a huge fan of her as a person. What a sweetheart of a lady. Um, and he's got the right woman by his side, I can tell you that much. Um, because Deion Sanders is my brother. I got a lot of love for him. I've known him for years. I know there's a lot of people from HBCUs that have gotten on him because they didn't like the way um, he departed. They felt that he had used Jackson State. My attitude was get the hell over it. Let's stop the nonsense and insensitivity here. Deion Sanders did what he came to do when he arrived at Jackson State. He won. He won and he brought an inordinate amount of attention to HBCUs like we've never seen before. College football game day for ESPN was at Jackson State's championship game last year. You see nationally televised practices, stuff like that. The attention that he brought to HBCUs was profound. And by the way, he won when he was there. Recruited talent and highlighted deficiencies existing at HBCUs that all of us should have paid attention to. Subpar facilities, lack of recognition, lack of publicity and notoriety, lack of funds. He brought attention to all of this. Did work in concert with the National Football League, came on my show and various others, promoted HBCUs, not just his individual program. Deion Sanders was fantastic. I remember when he got into it with Coach Eddie Robinson at Alabama State. I'm not here to excoriate or insult Eddie Robinson in any way. Some of the things that Dion may have said or the kind of attitude he may have given, given off or the way he may have snubbed people personally on an individual level, I'm not excusing that. And if Dion Sanders did that, he was wrong and should apologize for it, plain and simple. But I know that the greater goal was to go to an HBCU, achieve great things, elevate the profiles of HBCUs, open up additional opportunities for those at HBCUs and beyond, and to showcase the talent in such a way that not just players, but coaches could transition from HBCUs to go to predominantly white institutions and showcase what they could do. Step one was achieving at Jackson State. He did it. Now he has to achieve in a Pac-12 at the University of Colorado. And if Deion Sanders pulls that off, do you have any idea what that will do for HBCU programs everywhere? Do you have any idea how that will make people, if his players that he brought over from Jackson State and other HBCUs that are now on Buffalo, if they achieve, if he achieves as a coach, do you realize what that would do for both coaches and players? If they did it, maybe NFL scouts will drop a keener eye on HBCUs, a microscopic eye on HBCUs to peel from it talent in both the playing and coaching ranks to create opportunities for others. That's the big picture. It's called keeping your eyes on a prize.
And that is what Deion Sanders is aiming to do. I support my brother in his mission. I support his efforts. I support that of Eddie Robinson at Alabama State and other HBCU programs that Primetime has beaten and lost to. But I support my brother, and more importantly than anything else, I want to wish him good health and to let him know, I love you, bro. I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying that whatever's ailing you, you will have a full and speedy recovery so you can get back to being primetime. You're so big time. You're the lone individual I know of that if you on in the daytime, we got a problem because you represent primetime in every way imaginable. You're that big time, my brother. You've overcome challenges all your life, and you'll do it again. My prayers are with you, my man. You know I love you. Thinking about you. And I just wanted to let you know that. Let's go to some questions before I get on out of here for the weekend. Um, Roman writes, Stephen A., who are you taking for odds uh, win the ship next year? What are you talking about? Who are you taking for odds win the ship next year? You have any idea how grammatically incorrect that question is? I don't even know what the hell that question means. Ladies and gentlemen, when you write a question, Periods, commas, complete sentences, please. Okay? I, I can't understand. I can't even answer that damn question. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Lloyd Anderson writes, my team in the NBA. Another grammatically, my team in the NBA. My team is in the NBA. Which team? The Bulls have not been the same since Michael Jordan left, barring a few seasons with D. Rose. What happened? to the third most famous NBA team. You don't have enough talent. Very simple. Tom Thibodeau had Derrick Rose, Noah, Jake, Joe Kim Noah and others. Uh, Derrick Rose was absolutely spectacular, but messed up his knee and the franchise derailed from there. He ultimately got DeMar DeRozan with Zach Levine. Those brothers could ball, but they're not enough. And the reality of the situation is, is that as good as those dudes are, your team in its complete form isn't better than Milwaukee or Boston or Philadelphia or Miami. And that's why you're in the worst possible position imaginable. Because if you can't championship contend, you need to suck. That way you can position yourself to have a high pick in the draft and ultimately capture some stuff. That's what you can do. Capture a big-time talent coming out of college or in the G at night lead or overseas or something. You've not been in the position to do that, and that is why. You are an average middle-of-the-road team, virtually impossible to get much better, all right, but obviously above the very worst. You're middle-of-the-road. That's the worst position to be in, okay? Last but not least, somebody asked me, no likes ask, uh, what's my favorite Martin episode? As in Martin Lawrence, I'm assuming that you're asking. It's two of them. One of them was when Tommy hooked up with Pam. God rest his soul. Love Tommy. And he hooked up with Pam. And then Martin didn't know because he was the love doctor, right? He was the love doctor. And then Tommy was like, you're going to have to relax with the insult. And Martin like, whoa. Oh, look at him coming at me. I need, I think, I think I need to go back here. You know what I'm saying? Him and Gina, because Gina was absolutely hilarious, played by Tisha Campbell, was marvelous. Okay. That was one of my favorite episodes, but my absolute favorite episode was when Martin was talking about the first time they ever met. And they was playing the music, do-do-do. Do, 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 do. And he was like this, not now, baby. No words, baby. Don't get happy on me, baby. Okay. Remember that? Had on a big hat. You know what I'm saying? It was sitting up there, and she was like this. She said, so thrilling. This so excites me. He said, I had those same good feelings the first time I saw you too, baby. Then he started playing the music. Dun, dun, dun. So where do we go from here? To the top, if you're not afraid, baby. Woo! I want to be everything to you. I want to be your father. I want to be your friend. I want to be your lover. I want to be your uncle, your aunt, your mommy, your puppy. But you got to believe in me, baby. You got to believe that everything that I ask you to do is what's best for both of us, baby. I mean, can you do that, can you do that baby? And then bring it here, baby. Baby, can you dig it? 
That's what it is. That's my all-time favorite Martin episode. That's why I know those lines. That's why I know those lines. Don't ask me no questions about Martin. I know those questions. I know those questions. That's it for today's show. Appreciate y'all being here with me. Make sure you enjoy the weekend and hope it be on vacation next week from everything. But I'm going to make sure I'm here to give you a little something, something, okay? Even while I'm on a vacation. By the way, make sure to like the video and follow the Stephen A. Smith channel for all updates. Click the notification bell to find out about all my new content. I'm going to get on out of here for the weekend. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate the love that you show me. Appreciate you tuning into the show. Appreciate you clicking on the video, making sure to like the video on following my channel the way that you do because the subscribers have been building. Thanks to y'all. I'm going to keep it coming if y'all keep coming. Remember that. I got enough jobs. But I won't evade this one. As long as you keep coming, I will be here too. I'm going to go enjoy my week and y'all make sure you do the same, all right? Until next time, peace and love, everybody. Have a safe week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.